Hey, it's Crystal McFadden, host of the Crystal Conversations podcast. Before the intro starts, I just wanted to say hello. I am so excited you are listening in on season two. We are really honing in on the focus of resiliency as it relates to mental health. These are professionals, people with their own personal journey. The whole goal is to just pour into you with the education, knowledge, and wisdom that they have to share for your benefit. So grab your notebook, grab a pen, and please don't forget to invite a friend to the conversation. I'm glad you're here, and I can't wait to see you again. Take care. Hi there. Welcome to the Crystal Conversations podcast. My name is Crystal McFadden, and I am welcoming you to this place where conversations of growth and resiliency, faith and falling meet your day-to-day challenges with authentic stories of the struggle, each equipping and encouraging you to own the value of your journey. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation. Hello, listeners. I am so excited you are here and joining in on season two. I am thrilled because this is a topic near and dear to my heart. When you find good clinicians, when you find people who are flexible and meeting people where they are, and today's guest does just that. Before online therapy was a thing, she was paving the way and setting the stage for this to be available and ready. And here we are today where she has just accomplished so much in the state of Pennsylvania when it comes to serving folks virtually to heal and become happy. And so really she came into my sphere through mutual connections, which is always a good thing because I like keeping good people with me around me and with me because they keep me sane. And so her coming through those mutual connections is something that matters to me. And so it is my pleasure to stretch her into your space and introduce Miss Sarah Macon. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me on, Crystal. I'm so excited to be here and to be connecting with you and with everyone today. I'm so glad you're here. I am just, I'm thrilled for what you're doing because when I see a woman stepping into business ownership, I always know there's been a path to get there. There's been something that has really stirred in her heart and soul to put her energy into And that seems to be the case for you. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about where you're at now and and what led to get you there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So with where we're at now, um, I'm the founder and CEO of Make and Wellness, and we're an online therapy company on a mission to help millions of people to heal and become happy again through excellent online therapy. And what's really brought me here are two things. Number one, my absolute love of therapy. And number two, my absolute love of entrepreneurship. Did you have a family that was entrepreneurial in mind? Or is this something that evolved over time? Yeah, that's a really great question, Crystal. So actually, my grandfather was an entrepreneur on my mom's side. And he had different businesses, like with like rugs and with jewelry and different, different things that he was interested in. Um, however, my parents are not, not very entrepreneurial. My dad's in the healthcare sector and um, it was just 
something that I've always been really passionate about. I've always really loved business and always had ideas for different businesses. And um, even whenever I was a kid, like most normal children have lemonade stands. I did like a lemonade delivery service and I was able to (laughs) go knocking on doors and selling lemonade and running back home, making the lemonade. And I would literally run back to the houses as part of like my pitch was I can make your lemonade like five minutes or less, you'll have it. So um, it's, I've just always been, I'm not a creative person at all, but I'm very creative when it comes to to business and to entrepreneurship. So it's like my, one of my outlets. Well, it's funny that we think we typically put creativity in a box. You're either an artist or a photographer or something, but I really do geek out about creativity and entrepreneurship because the ability to pivot or to tend to our customers or our ideal person well is a really powerful skill and it takes creativity in a whole new direction. And I hear you saying that even with a lemonade stand as a young girl, not only will you have a lemonade stand and do what everybody else is doing, but you will be the one that brings it to their door. And if you run out, you're going to be back at their door, taking it, getting the order and bringing it to them. Like you're the, you're the Grubhub before Grubhub. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's always, you know, seeing what is and seeing what could be and always working towards improving the status quo. I have never really liked the idea of like mediocrity and just keeping things the same for no reason. I'm, I'm always thinking of how can, you know, how can we grow? How can we improve? How can we make this things easier? How can we make them better? How we can, how can we make things more effective? And um, looking at things from that point of view really changes. It really opens up so many possibilities. I agree. When you said you love entrepreneurship, but you also said you love therapy and you did the same thing with therapy. You didn't just allow therapy to be the stereotypical, you sit on that couch, I'll sit on this couch, let's have a conversation you took it online before the rest of the world was forced online. Tell me a little bit about how those juices were stirring in your brain and came about as a need. Oh, absolutely. So when we were first starting out, we were supporting clients in in our offices and online as well. And something that I noticed with, with our clients particularly, but I saw the world heading in this direction of everyone's getting busier and busier and people have less and less time and just driving to an office, paying for like, hoping that there's parking, paying for the parking, walking in. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, You almost come in in a higher stress level, just getting there before you even get to have a therapy session. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially since our main office was, I mean, still is in downtown Pittsburgh. Um, so getting in was not the easiest feat, especially at certain times. And so we were offering a lot of these services online. And the challenge was then that the 
payers weren't paying for it and that the insurance companies weren't covering for it. And so it would, you know, clients were paying out of pocket for that. And it was, it, it could be a challenge for some people to pay out of pocket for those, those types of services. And so when COVID came about, we already had the systems and everything and our clinicians were already trained and, you know, our assistants were working remotely anyways. And so it was a very seamless transition for the most part. Um, within a matter of 48 hours, we were able to get everything prepared prior to the state shutting down. And even though we are considered a life-sustaining company and we could still have seen clients in the office, we just did not think ethically that's appropriate if we're able to provide this, the same level of care and service remotely. And so that is really when you talk about pivots, um, pivoting to be remote and then not being able to bill for a bit because every insurance company was scrambling to get a telehealth policy and to see how we're going to um, have these services billed. And then once the um, insurance company said that they're going to start covering it, then we were able to start billing appropriately. And so it has been a really awesome experience. Um, and it was so amazing to see our team really, really shine in the, the moments of these challenging times and really needing to like step up and to get these new policies and these procedures in place and to train um, and to only focus on really training for like how to do all these services online. And so our team did such an incredible job with, with stepping up. I'm consistently so proud of them on a daily basis. They're just phenomenal. So it really was a, a learning curve for a lot of humans. I mean, I think anyone in any industry can relate to that was the first thing that I had shared as soon as everything shut down. I was an on the ground outreach type of role. I was always somewhere. And the first thing I said to my national team was we need to set in place. And we were all about career development and progression and this resiliency concept, but in the career space. And I was like, we need to teach both the employers and the job seekers how to function in this box, like this Zoom box that most folks really didn't have to use unless it was a unique situation. And even in uh, mental health, I remember some of the agencies just saying, oh yeah, we have telehealth for those unique situations out in a rural area, they don't have access. And so the ability for your team to say, we're familiar, we have the stuff, let's learn it quickly and let's keep moving. That is so exciting. Oh, it absolutely is. And just even foreshadowing how things are going to be like, it's, um, our clinical director, Rama, was actually the one that sat me down, was like, Sarah, this is not going to be a good situation. The clients are already very scared about COVID. And this was before every state yeah. started to shut down. And she was like, we need to go online. Like we can't go to the office anymore. And I just know that this is the best thing to do. And I said, well, I trust you. And so we move forward. So it was all her. I give her so much credit. Mama's <laughs> amazing. Like, I'm serious. <laughs> and that's an act of bravery 
to to come forward and speak out and and say this is important like i feel so strongly with what i see what i know what i'm what i'm hearing the pivot is necessary like kudos to her for having that step of courage and bravery to to come to you and just acknowledge that you know what we might be in for more than we ever thought it could be oh absolutely and part of having an organization where there is um where people feel comfortable to express themselves and to express what's on their mind there's so much that goes into that i'm very passionate about having a company and a team that has a high degree of psychological safety and you know they know that when they express their thoughts and their ideas and that, you know, they're not going to get shut down immediately or anything like that. And so I think a lot of it has been part of, you know, all the time and effort we've devoted to that. And there's so many books and resources on how to have a psychologically safe um, organization. Um, And the other thing too is understanding, and I tell this to my team all the time, everyone has such amazing strengths and the best part is everyone looks at things from a different perspective and so it's so important to listen to everyone and their points of view because many times people see like people can see blind spots that I can't see and vice versa so the collaboration with that is so important too I agree I think that as you know, this, this podcast is all about resiliency. And Mm -hmm. for me, it is that let's see from other perspectives. Let's learn from what, you know, let's grow through this together in a way that this feeling stuck or trapped or blind spotted and, and not having any options really is not an option. So when you hear the word resilience, especially because you're in the industry that helps people grow. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah, absolutely. So emotional resiliency really refers to someone's ability to adapt stressful situations or crises. And I look at it as having the ability to roll with the punches and to adapt to adversity and to really heal and recover from things uh, quickly and being able to cope and to adapt to life's changes. And these are major life changes as well as smaller life changes. And, you know, emotional resiliency, this is a trait that anyone can develop. It's really like a muscle. And so it's working on using that muscle more and more can really help. It can be developed would what would you say to the person who feels like they're saying sarah i've tried i'm just i'm just not resilient i don't feel like i adapt to anything i feel like i just keep getting hit what would you what would you respond to them with yeah well i would first my my therapist is coming out chris i'd first validate validate their emotions and you know it's completely understandable that you're, you feel like it's impossible to be resilient, that you've tried everything that you can. And it's, yeah, I would first just listen to that person to see what all has happened and 
Um, I would highly suggest if someone feels like they've done, you know, the different self-help books or they, you know, listen to different things and they feel like they're, they've applied everything, they haven't gotten the results that they've wanted, I would highly recommend them to see a, a specialist that can really help them with resiliency because it's, it's this saying these different things, it's a lot more easy than it is to truly implement them. And so I would absolutely um, recommend seeing, seeing a therapist that can help. Um, and, you know, there's other things that influence resiliency too, you know, any type of exposure to trauma that you've had, um, your age, uh, your gender and your, you know, gender identity and expression. Um, all these things can really impact uh, the ability to be resilient. So if I'm hearing that, you know, I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, which, which of these factors is also contributing to it? Um, but there absolutely is hope. So, so listeners, as you can hear, there's a few really rich nuggets to tap into that one, it is easier to say that I'm stuck and I can't, and I've tried than it is to really implement. But as she shared, there are some application options. One is to connect with a professional. There may be some things that you have gone through that can absolutely be validated and normalized and recognized as really hard seasons and experiences. So don't underestimate the power of your experiences and how they affect. However, there's also options to learn and to grow and to consider from a different perspective. We were talking about just gaining insight from others, different ways of looking at circumstances and seeing how others have gotten through similar or unique situations. Don't underestimate the power of books. I mean, we listen to podcasts and read social media memes all day long, and you might get the greatest TikTok video in the land on the subject that appeals to you, but there are some really powerful books out there that can help change mindset and help you chew on some ideas in a deeper way. And so um, as we go through, don't forget that we're highlighting some really key areas to grow because resilience is within us. We all start with some level and, and we can step forward from where we are. We don't have to achieve a certain spot. We don't have to have a certain background. We don't have to have a level, a degree or some achievement to say, I can get through this. We start right where we are. So you sitting in your car or listening to us while you're in the kitchen or folding laundry, please know that right where you are is exactly where you begin those steps of learning and seeing the world differently because healing is possible. And so with this passion, Sarah, of therapy, I am a wholehearted believer that not all therapists are created equal <laughs> and they come with a unique, um, a unique approach, each one of us, mm -hmm. but it's also important for counselors to see our own counselors during certain seasons. Have you had your own seasons of therapy that have been either beneficial or learning opportunities for you? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I even remember when I was in my master's program, it was something that the professors talked about it essentially being in a, uh, an ongoing requirement in order to be an exceptional therapist because everyone needs someone to talk to. And I've definitely benefited from that throughout my life. And that's something that I still actively engage in. And I think every therapist needs to have a therapist too, because even with what we do on a daily basis, ignoring personal life and everything else, there's a high probability of experiencing vicarious traumatization. And we need to process that. Um, So I think it's phenomenal. I think actually every human on this planet can benefit from having someone to talk to. And I'm such an advocate for it. It is really important for me to continue to push the aspect of connection with other humans because when I was in my master's a lot of my my papers and studies was on the power of connection versus the detriment of isolation and how that can exacerbate feelings of depression and anxiety and trauma and so knowing that none of us planned for this pandemic era. It just happened. We may not have all been at the stage of optimal wellness. And then getting hit with this this push for isolation really hit some of us a lot harder um, emotionally, cognitively, physically than we anticipated. And so as folks are really learning to navigate a chronic struggle, emotionally, cognitively, physically. Are there certain tools or certain practices that you've noticed really dig into someone working through a chronic struggle, whether it's burnout or the pandemic or multiple griefs? Oh, absolutely. And I love that you mention everything that you've learned in regard to support because having support in your life helps to contribute to having increased emotional resiliency. So one thing that I really personally and professionally do recommend is just laughing, having a sense of humor, Um, being able to laugh when, when you being able just to like laugh and look at things from a different perspective can be very helpful and can also really help with increasing emotional resilience. Um, Another factor that really helps is having an internal locus of control. And so when you have an internal locus of control, you believe that you yourself, rather than influences or forces outside of you, um, you, is in control of your life. So you believe that you have a high level of control over your life. And this actually helps with reducing stress because people that have an internal locus of control have more of a realistic view and they are much more proactive in dealing with stress that occurs in life. 
um, and they tend to be more solution oriented and all of that helps to reduce your stress. And so working on developing that internal locus of control. And if there are certain behaviors that lead you to feel like there's an external locus of control, we highly suggest to start to slowly reduce those behaviors. Um, another thing that I think is extremely helpful is working on increasing emotional awareness. And so people that have emotional awareness tend to understand what they're feeling and why they're feeling what they're feeling. And this also helps them in dealing with other people because they're able to be more empathetic and to see what other people, they, they're able to feel and sort of understand what other people are feeling as well. And when you're able to better get along and understand other people, this can really help um, you to help yourself and others to regulate and to cope with difficult emotions, such as anger and fear um, and stress. So working on increasing your emotional awareness is also extremely important. That is one of my favorites because so often I hear folks, whether it's in session, whether it's on a, a critical incident case, whether it is just with friends and they're just like, why is everybody so angry? <laughs> this explosion where someone yells at you and you're like, I was saying hello. <laughs> and it doesn't match the situation. And the, oh, the yeah. best way, I mean, we're all just sort of flooding this this emotional overload that's not being um we're not aware nor are we regulating and one of the visual examples i explain is pre-pandemic such a weird term and time frame but pre-pandemic <laughs> humanity as a whole if we were to stereotype humanity on a scale of zero being very low chill cool as a cucumber 10 being like over the top in need of professional help, potentially inpatient. There was a level of stress that most of us ebbed and flowed between like a two to three. Like there were there were changes in schedule, there were kids that got sick, there was traffic we didn't like, and we would sort of go up and down from cool to slightly elevated. And if there was a major thing, we would go up into that five to seven range. We would have a significant focus on whatever that stressor was. But now I feel as though humanity as a whole is traveling in that five to seven range on the regular. We're just topped out. We need to actively be engaging in self-care, awareness, um, any type of emotional regulation practices, but because most of us don't even know what that means and we're not aware of what that is, we're seeing these explosions, these bursts of anger, this anxiety that feels beyond what it ever was. And we're seeing a 10, 11, a 12 type of response for something that would have been a one or a two. And so mm. laughing is laughing is super powerful. Even if you're not in a funny mood, like I'm not funny, I'm not humorous, I'm usually the serious one. Um, but if I force myself to laugh, I'm laughing at the level of ridiculousness that I am. Like, ha ha ha, like do it as ridiculous as possible. 
just to get your body to respond and be like, what is happening here? Um, Because sometimes you may not be in the mood. And that locus of control you mentioned, so powerful to be able to say, I choose, I choose this, I have an option. There are multiple choices, even if they may be hard, at least I have that power to choose, really honing in on that. Um, All of these can be game changers when used regularly in our day-to-day, week-to-week rhythms. So I agree, those are are really powerful. Um, Now, these are some great tips, but you also have resources available, not only in the Make and Wellness website, but you have some books. Tell me about those works. Oh, yeah. So we have a couple of books out. The first one that we did is called From Depression to Joy, and it is a handbook designed for parents that have teenagers who are struggling with depression, and we go over a lot of different things, mostly different cognitive behavioral therapy techniques and different lifestyle changes and just different behaviors to look out for. Um, The second book is for business owners. And so it is um, how to eliminate stress and kick ass in business and The title of the book is The Happy Entrepreneur, and in it, it's a lot of stress management techniques and different things for business owners specifically to consider. It's a very short and easy read, and um, it came to be because a lot of um, my clients at the time were mostly business owners. And it was something that they kept asking for is like different resources for stress management during the day, easy to understand and uh, something simple to start to implement. So that's where that came from. And the last one that we recently did, is called Medical Marijuana and Mental Health. And it is a resource for people that are potentially interested in incorporating medical marijuana as a part of their mental health regimen. And so we talk about specific diagnoses and specific cases where it may be a benefit to incorporate um, medical marijuana into your regimen. And as a heads up, this is really uh, people that live in a state where medical marijuana is currently legal. And if you feel like you're um, treatment resistant or medicine uh, resistant and that you've tried all those different types of treatments and nothing's really worked, um, that's really um, who could be a good fit to, to to check that one out. So. As someone who is writing a book and has spent the last few years just watching and learning from writers, I applaud you for identifying these things that people are talking about and people are asking about because that's really the most helpful book is what are the questions I'm asked all the time and how can I serve you in in getting this to you quicker than having 10 therapy sessions? 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. It's they've all come as a result of people specifically asking for them. And that's why they're so everyone is very specific and very different. And that's, that's why. And going through the process of writing a book, I mean, it is no joke. So I applaud you, Crystal, for going through that because I need a break from from writing for a few years after these ones. (laughs) Yes. And I've, I've learned so much about myself in this endeavor because I knew I was somewhat visual. I'm like the sticky board kind of make a mess of a space. Let's, let's interact with this material type of person. And what I've realized is when you're working on a project, like a book, there's a lot of sticky notes involved. It's a lot. (laughs) It's not just an article. It's not just a, a workshop. It is all of the workshops and all of the articles compiled in this, in this, this work of art that, that comes out to your knowledge base. And so I just applaud you for not only breaking the bounds and running with the necessary pivot to meet clients where they are, but target some of these areas and say, Hey, let me help you now. Let's, let's get you started. Let's get you moving. Therapy may be an option in your future, but get some meat in your system and start chewing on that as you get, get through the process. Absolutely. Well, uh, yes, it's the pre-con, I guess really the, when someone's at the contemplative state of change, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, I might be. And so typically I feel like that's when people really benefit from reading and, um, at least the ones that we specifically have put out. So when someone asks the question, do I really need a therapist? Like, how do I know? I'm usually like, if you've hit the point that you think you might need a therapist, you're probably at a really good spot to start making calls <laughs> because yeah. we don't, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I will not ask for help until I've tried 15 different ways and hit stopping points. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, I really benefit from working as a team. Let me reach out for help. <laughs> so as self-aware <laughs> as I am, I'm also equally stubborn. So when someone finally says, do I need a therapist? How do I get started? What, how would you guide them through that process? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's so many different signs and I appreciate you sharing like for like yourself, some of the things that you notice. And there's a lot of different signs that can come up. If you're not enjoying the things that you once used to enjoy, if you are very easily triggered and you're going from like zero to a hundred, like very quickly, that's another sign. Um, if your unhealthy habits and coping skills are become, are becoming more and more problematic, like you're drinking a little bit too much, uh, maybe emotionally eating a little bit too much. Um, if you're noticing your relationships are not going very well and that you're not spending a lot of time and, um, with them, or if there's an increase in arguments with your spouse or your partner, um, it can be another sign. Um, if something really bad happens, so if you 
experienced something traumatic or just a really life-changing event. And that could be another sign to go to therapy. If you are uncertain of who you are and you're having some challenges with your identity, um, if your support network is non-existent or if you had one but you don't have one anymore, that's another sign. And the biggest sign um, that you actually mentioned, Crystal, is like if nothing else has helped, if you've, you know, you've worked out, you've had your vitamins, you're using your depression lamp, like you're, you've read every book on the subject that you need support with, you've tried meditation, you've done your deep breathing and nothing is working. Um, it is definitely a sign to be in therapy and, you know, you don't need to hit these really challenging points to, you know, to start. I truly believe everyone can benefit from seeing a therapist. And so if you are a human, then I would suggest <laughs> therapy because we all have different things that we can benefit from working on and addressing and so when you know it's the time for therapy um if you are a pennsylvania resident you can definitely give our team at make and make us a call yes. um if you are not i would go and just start to google for therapists the therapy near me and look at reviews on google look at reviews online um providers are not it's not ethical for for providers to ask for reviews and so these clients that are leaving reviews like it's it, something within them inspired them to do so and so I think it's really important to check them out because you can learn a lot about um an organization or a therapist by just doing a quick google search and seeing what they see online because the website might be beautiful and amazing and then you read like all these different things and so look for the best, um, the highest reviewed places with the best ratings and reviews and see if they accept your insurance, if you do have insurance and then um, make the call or check out a website and book online and definitely get started. And I appreciate that because sometimes we don't know where to get started or how to get started. We have these built-in assumptions that, man, if I start therapy, and be there for years <laughs> and and you may however i have a lot of clients that come in because they recognize something wasn't working as you mentioned that list of some of those areas that you're like ah oh, i don't i don't really know maybe i just need a few months to check in get some new tools and start to implement when i know i'm implementing what i'm learning then i can sort of take that next step and launch again um, it really does look different for every person. It also looks different with every therapist. Um, we started out, and I had mentioned, not all therapists are created equal. Mm -hmm. If you do the research and you check the reviews and you find a place that's convenient, not only in location, but in times available to your day, um, and online accessibility, payment accessibility, if you meet that therapist, 
and they're not your person and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I could share much of anything or they are so far mismatched with my personality and my needs. It's okay to either ask for a referral or say, no, thank you. I won't be scheduling and look again. Um, Mm -hmm. It should not with a healthy therapist, it should not offend them when it is not the right fit. They should be able to graciously work through themselves for your benefit and either give you a number or say, I understand, or ask if there was something that maybe it triggered because it may be a personal trigger, but it may be a personality mismatch and both are Mm -hmm. okay to work through with a healthy therapist. So please don't feel like you're stuck. If you get in there and you're like, ah, this is not working. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a great point too. Cause if you don't, the client doesn't feel comfortable with the provider, you know, that's the number one, uh, indicator of successful treatment like the most important thing is the therapeutic relationship and the therapeutic alliance and if you don't feel like it's there it's not going to be as effective as it could be and so getting referrals is very important and um you know it's almost like dating you know most people the first person they date, it's normally, I mean, unless it's like a miracle, you know, kind of situation, it takes time. It takes, you know, you know, going through perhaps a couple of different providers. And just because one therapist, you know, wasn't the great, because not all therapists are created equally, not all co- therapy companies are created equally. Yes. Don't assume that they're all terrible um, or that they're, you know, therapy's not for you at all. Cause it's definitely not the case. I'm actually the first therapist that I saw was the epitome of everything not to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me some time to kind of like, uh, to, to heal from that situation and move on to, you know, a different therapist, which ended up being absolutely amazing. And so, um, it's also, very important. That's another reason why I do what I do. Cause going through the situation of seeing a terrible therapist, I mean, it can really negatively impact you for sure. If you don't go to the right place or the right person, which is why I stress the online reviews are so, so important. Yes. Um, and there are some red flags. You do yeah. not want a therapist and, and I will say this because I want therapists to be good at their job. And so if there are clinicians mm-hmm. hearing this and being like, oh, I do that, how dare you, honey, please get some supervision because I want you to do good. Yeah. Um, but there are some red flags and I say these not out of making them up, but because I've had clients come in and say, well, my other therapist used to, and I'm like, please don't tell me their name because I, I just can't process that. But I am so sorry that was your experience. So one, Mm -hmm. they should not be doing other things while in a therapy session with you. If they are filing their nails or checking their text messages or attending to other things other than you, that can be a red flag that they Mm -hmm. may not be fully present for one reason or another. They may have personal things going on regardless please don't feel as though you have to endure that long-term. 
If it is a one-time occurrence accidental, please give them grace. But if it is something that is happening regularly, please acknowledge that this is not the professional relationship giving you the time and attention for the professional service you're requesting. Um, if you are hearing more about their life story than yours, that can also be a red flag. That can be something that they may use a personal reference. They may give a story to maybe elaborate a point, but for the most part, they should be exploring where you are and, and how that experience is from your eyes and learning more about how to navigate life in the way that you think and function. Um, that can be really important and really just giving you a safe place where even if you say something they disagree with, you should not feel as though their ego or their judgment is responding to you or at you. It should be a healthy place where your feelings can be expressed in safe and healthy ways and that they can hold those things. And those are some things just to keep an eye out for that I want you, if you have been courageous enough to make the call and keep the appointment and show up virtually or in person, that you have a safe intended to space for a really great experience because therapy can be life-changing when done well. Do you have any others that you might add or additional thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Crystal, those were all awesome ones. And um, I particularly like the one that you mentioned about the self-disclosure and really the only time a therapist should ever share anything personally is if that story or that experience will directly help you. And if it's not relevant or if it's not going to help you and they're still sharing like all these irrelevant things, it's definitely a big, huge red flag. And I feel like I hear about that red flag happening. Um, outside of make and wellness and that's always just oh my gosh uh, <laughs> like, I'm very so annoying to me <laughs> so yeah those are those are definitely some huge ones for sure and another one is uh chronically you know being late or you know like 30 minutes late I'm like oh my gosh it just like pains me um yeah it's like being on time and being present and um, being a good listener, for sure. If you feel like they're not listening to you, that's another big issue. Because um, it's hard yeah. to retell the hard parts of your story over and over again, because they're not listening the first two or three times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So if you are a clinician and you do not fit any of these red flags and you have grown <laughs> in a healthy way and worked through your own healing journey and you've sought supervision and you just love helping people and seeing them heal and celebrating their victories and you are looking for a place to work, I hear in the state of Pennsylvania, Macon Wellness has openings. Yes, absolutely, Crystal. We are looking for passionate and caring online counselors that are really excited about helping people to heal and become happy again and support our mission of helping millions of people to heal. So if you are interested, definitely 
check out our website at makeandwellness.com. Check out our values and learn a bit more about us. And if you feel like you're a great fit, definitely do apply. And all that information is available at our website at makeandwellness.com. Sarah, I am so thankful to have just gained some insight. I think not only the therapy process itself for those seeking healing, but also how a therapy organization is run is tremendously important to, to reach, as you said, as many lives as possible, serving millions in this healing journey. So I am, I am so grateful that we've got this opportunity to connect is there anything you would like to add or share with our listeners as final thoughts? Yeah, just taking things one step and one day at a time and, you know, making the commitment to yourself and that self-care is not selfish. And if at any point you as a client would like to work on like your mental health or recovery or relationships that, you know, our team is here for all of you. And just to thank you again for having me on. This was so much fun. Well, I am so glad that you came and shared some of your minutes of your day with me. Listeners, you know, I want you to grow. I know that there is power within the journey that you have walked those steps that whether they felt like they were crawling through the tar pits or they were celebrating on the mountaintops, your journey has value to the calling that you have on your life. And to see you grow and get in touch with some of this wisdom is absolutely an honor to share with you. And so I hope that you have enjoyed spending time with Miss Sarah Macon as much as I have. And please reach out to the makeandwellness.com website if you have any needs for therapy or you're a clinician. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to hear you on the, be with you. I don't hear you. I wish I did. I want to see your smiling faces, (laughs) but I want to be with you and have you listen in on the next Crystal Conversation. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining this Crystal Conversation, the place where stories of growth and resiliency are authentically shared in order to encourage and equip you to own the value of your journey. If you've been inspired or learned something new, please feel free to share the love and tell someone about these Crystal Conversations. If you know your helping health or human-facing organization or group would benefit from growth-minded resiliency content, Stop by crystalmcfadden.com for more information. And once again, this is Crystal McFadden reminding you that your steps matter and thanking you so much for joining me during this Crystal Conversation.